Hello, this is Peter Davison. You're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 477 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where we've learned the only thing worse than quicksand is the alien conspiracy happening beneath the quicksand. I'm Jay. I'm Julie. And I'm Kier. This week, we feel the earth move onto our feet in season 21's classic adventure, Frontios. So five Tegan and Turlo end up on the, the human colonized planet of Frontios, where the colonists are dealing with, uh, with bombardment from the skies and rumors of the the land swallowing its victims. The trio learn that not only are the caverns beneath the encampment filled with gravity-controlling aliens, they were responsible for all the colonists' problems and are hungry for a means to escape the planet. Now, the TARDIS itself is destroyed, (laughs) and the Doctor has to devise a way to thwart the tractators, ensure the colony's further safety, and get off Frontios. Somehow. Travel is beautiful, Doctor. Very beautiful. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, as you can see from this panel, Gravis, I control all the main TARDIS functions, the uh, time coordinates, spatial coordinates, all inoperative at the moment, of course, because the spatial distribution circuits are switched in. Ah, now you really will have to be more careful, Gravis. Now the autoscan's picking up the location of all the concealed TARDIS components. Oh, well, not to worry. I shouldn't think it's even within your powers to reassemble them. Besides, what would you want with an old Type 40 time and relative dimension in space machine, hmm? But I do want it, Doctor. The TARDIS. Infinite travel within my grasp. Oh, no, Gravis, please. Take everything else but leave me the TARDIS. I will have it. Oh, no, Gravis, please, I, I beg you. I spare me the TARDIS. Have it. In this story, veteran writer and past script editor Christopher Bidmead returned to to write an alien adventure, and he came up with the Tractators, and specifically the Gravis. Uh, technical issues aside, what, what does everyone think about this new villain? I did like the fact that uh, it was cognizant of Time Lord technology. I think that's definitely a Bidmead hand in that. I liked the threat that that they carried and the interesting ways that they used the gravitational pull. So it was both a larger threat to the planet and an individual threat to objects and people. Uh, Even Turlo at one point saying, oh, it's ripping me in half. I just found that little bit of physical comedy funny against Turlo. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to see Turlo in pain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, don't we all? 
I I do I like the the gravity being kind of the through line with them and the fact that they're uh you know like burrowing creatures and you know earth kind of you know like it, I almost said earthbenders but you know what I mean like it's, yeah. it it kind of has that and it all kind of fits together and so thematically they were a very solid uh race the pseudoscience is actually pretty enjoyable too the idea of okay so they're creating mm-hmm. these tunnels as as ways to to channel or amplify their gravitational control so they can work on larger and larger objects they're pulling ships out of the skies or out of out of space uh they're pulling asteroids down uh for meteor showers mm-hmm. and things this is all very well orchestrated and and kind of makes sense gets a little grisly with the whole idea of using a nearly dead human to control their mining equipment. But I mean, I, I mean, how's that any different than the Cybermen? True. Uh, I, I believe that on one of the original passes of the script, it was actually, they were just going to use pieces of survivors. Uh, but that was, okay. that was like a little bit beyond the pale. Like so- electrical currents left in, Body parts or kind of well, uh, sort of. That's yeah. gruesome. But yeah, yeah uh, but uh, for the time, yeah. I said, all right, maybe that's a little bit too much. It I... seemed like for a moment when, uh, not range the the other one, the 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 commander was was actually finally strapped in the thing and said, you know, save yourselves, go on. And that thing was coming down over his head. The broomstick. Yep. It it looked for a second like that was supposed to be some sort of a blade that was going to like sever at him. I don't know. It. it Mm-hmm. It did get a little grisly. Yeah. I think that that is a better visual, however, than having uh, many humans lined up carrying rocks out of caves or other physical labor that mm-hmm. might have been like, I just, if you're going to have to use that as the threat of why humans are still there and what they're being used for, then I'd rather see that than, yeah, you know, that kind of physical pain. I wasn't quite sure whether they were going because they they sort of refer to them as pseudo insectoid in nature, and you saw a little bit. Okay, they look a little bit beetle like or caterpillar like, but they were just as fishy. I, I know they had, they ran into a lot of trouble with the mobility of the suits, and that was the, you know, well, yeah, um, and, and that was after trying to revise them a couple of times to increase. There, there's a one point I think in early passes where the the actors couldn't even move at at all with them, like they were basically hopping because they had no no shift to their legs. Well, look, if you've ever been in a mermaid style dress, you would understand what that feels like. I will wear a mermaid style dress, but I will probably not go through and try to chase free legged, free with an F, not three legged, free legged humanoids mm-hmm. through um, at. <laughs> it's coming after us eventually. Ah, <laughs> I. Well, that's why. That's why you give them the gravity powers, because <laughs> then you can't get away <laughs> over <laughs> here. <laughs> I think I also liked the connection of the leader, sort of insectoid. So mm. without him telling them what to do, they were a little bit less powerful or, or even powerless. I think they said, which was the and vice versa, right? When the when the TARDIS sealed around him. Mm-hmm. And he was cut off from that, even as the the only sapient member uh, of that group. Yeah, he he got knocked out. Did they they took him with them? Didn't they? They delivered him to Croctopoctus planet, where there's nothing but <laughs> rocks and shale. Yeah. Okay. So he can just crush diamonds all day yeah. long. Yeah, but nothing sentient for him to control. Right. For now. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's the same little uh, asteroid that they they left the uh, the golden serpent sitting mm-hmm. on. Just box. pile them up. Just keep throwing. <laughs> eat, There's eat nothing like, out there. It's like the little prince just passing along on his little planet. You got your little planet with one person on it. Your little planet with one person. Yeah, I Collect mean, like the set. There's so many planets. There's bound to be that many that are habitable <laughs> by random. Our entire nature. asteroid belt is just a bunch of past evil guys. Yeah. <laughs> So I noticed on a couple occasions that there were either actors on screen not really reacting at all to the situation at hand or forgetting what was just laid out moments earlier. For example, Norna's daring escape from her capture in the last episode that drew no attention from the Rets when they returned. Is this just something to be written off or is it a flaw in the writing or production? I think they're hoping that Man. you write it off. <laughs> yeah, I, I I couldn't write it off. Like it, it was so distracting because I'd... I got to the point where I'm watching more of what's going on in the background just because of things like that, that I was missing story elements. This one was pretty bad for wooden uh, extras. Um, I was really bothered by a lot of the orderlies who just stood there and reacted to nothing as their their superior officers Mm. or or there's like physical altercations going on and they've got weapons in their hand and they're not stepping in to do anything. Um, but the one that really, really, uh, I pushed back and I just said this, I, I have to just pretend I didn't see this because it, it is a glaring error in the way it was shot was when Plantagenet was sinking through the soil and there's yeah. one of his orderlies not seven feet away. Yeah. And, and Tegan is running around like, holy crap, something's happening. And he's just sitting there like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Not my job. And it it <laughs> would be different if there were some element of the, hey, you've been underground so long, you've turned into a mindless being or something like that, but that that wasn't part of any of this. So I feel like it's just, did they not realize that they were on the screen? Did someone yeah. not notice that? Was there just not a good set of blocking or paying attention, too much going on? Yeah. We, we yeah. talked a little bit about this um, offline and we're saying, well, you know, could you have just omitted them? from the scene and just had it going on. But then that seems a little thin because you would think that, especially in something like the, uh, the, the medical bay or medical, what hole they were in cave. Yeah. Um, that, uh, leaving Tegan there with Plantagenet unguarded would feel ridiculous. So you, you got to have somebody stationed there uh, and not just stationed at the door outside, but somebody who's keeping their eye on their fearless leader. If that's the case, do your job. Yeah. So that's, a, I know that you can only do so much with the amount of time you've got to do your, your filming and, and you've got a limited number of takes based on your budget and so forth. But something like that, even if you just had him you know, take a quick fake forward, oh, oh, and, and he can't react in time, I, I would have been able mm-hmm. to blaze right over that. And as you said, Julie, about Norna's bit, I mean, they, they spent two minutes having her working around the ropes kicking a knife to the floor doing this really great maneuver and she runs out and everyone sees her mm-hmm. loose and they oh she's loose and and she brings them then yeah. back in to say oh they're going to get them from the hole here in the oh there's somebody coming up the hole like just so anticlimactic and like she's just like ha ha i've done this thing but and no one even notices or did they yeah i don't know just too many theories of the what and why did why did that just get looked right. over to look 
look it over from our perspective. Yeah, she could have been a much stronger character. I think they she had the the, the opportunities too, but they kept kind of cutting I, her legs out of it. Yeah, I, I kept waiting for her to be a stronger character. I was like, okay, they're setting her up. They're setting her up to be something awesome. And nope, didn't pay off that time. Maybe next time. I nope. Yeah. Again, come out nope. brandishing <laughs> that little knife, right? Yeah, and then yeah. then <laughs> like knock it away and be like, ah, oh, and then she verbally explains why or why this is important but Mm -hmm. and no interaction even to say hey we just took care of whatever it was that we tied you up because you were trying to stop us Mm -hmm. she didn't know any of that either so just too many of those moments right it's indicative of well you've got your uh your older middle-aged white guy doing the writing here and he takes all the moments where she starts to build up a bit of of uh well pun unintended but gravitas um <laughs> in in what she's capable of and then it gets undercut with clinging to literally clinging to daddy mm-hmm. which i i can't forgive that that that's just that's ridiculous it's it's unwarranted and unnecessary but uh, having the relationship between the two characters having a because i mean these, these were colonists you know the, one of the last surviving yeah. colonies from the demise of earth sure i get that you're gonna have parents and children and so forth but uh, no no, it, it, wasteful. Mm-hmm. But the, as far as things that I, 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 I find unsettling about this in a story that I, I don't get ahead of myself. I, I don't mind the story. I actually kind of like the, the the plot aspects of it. I like the story, but the seeming destruction of the TARDIS itself by something as I dare say as simple as a meteor strike well, felt like a really big leap for canon. Um, and then just the, mm-hmm. the the use of this alien's gravitational powers to slurp it all back together as some sort of jiggery pokery was just an extension of that. It's like, okay, this is really going against some stuff that we've been spending 20, 30 years laying down the the groundwork for how this – well, 20 years at this point uh, – laying down how this, this program functions and what sort of the rules are right. of our universe. So as much as I do enjoy the second half of this story – uh, the first half is really, really slow. Um, that one element of it just will not ever sit right with me. You know, seeing the TARDIS blown to pieces doesn't make sense transdimensionally. No, it in this story, it's just like okay, the TARDIS is literally just a box. Yeah, you know, and you it got blown apart, and now you can just glue it back together. It's fine. You know, mm. it 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 yeah. It again, it it feels like the. The, the, the pathos that we've given this vehicle over the course of, you know, 20 seasons is just like, yeah, but that, that kind of ruins what I'm going for in the story here. So it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Even with that much gravity, we've seen it interact with suns, black holes, and none of yeah. that tore it apart. So why did this? And that's what kind of got it for me. And, and then the pulling it back together by this creature touching the console in a, a weird way. Like, again, that... Because it really, really wanted it. it if you really, wish really, really hard. <laughs> yeah. With your webbed fingers, well. it's gonna happen. And I, to some extent, if it would have played like the TARDIS expanded and... Oh, that would have been wild. If it, right, if it, like the TARDIS if it, if went to consume it broke. to help to yeah, <laughs> and it just right. So the, the, the TARDIS side. became the size of the planet by accident, and then well, part you, of that was like bringing it back 
down, like it reversed the gravitation. Like, I don't know. Just I feel like if that's the thing you needed to have happen, there would have been different ways than just chunks of the TARDIS are now missing across this planet. But most of them that you recognize are still right there. And we just walked past this conveniently placed door and the console's right here. Mm So, yeah. Mm -hmm. The console was intact. And the hat stand. Yeah. Well, the console was intact, but the hat stand was the only thing that was anywhere close to where they left it. So where the hell did the console <laughs> land? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there there were any number of hand-wavy pseudoscience that you could have thrown in there. And we just been been like, okay, yeah, no, sure. Makes sense. I I don't understand how the TARDIS works, so that, that doesn't change. But to, like, physically break it apart and not have it be a universe-ending event like it has been – other times yeah yeah it could it just seems it it could have been hit in such a way that it uh collapsed with rubble down into one of the below ground caverns and it slowly gets unearthed or or, you know the the, they discover it and uh and all of a sudden the you know the tractators are 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 finding ways to to lay claim to it or something i don't know how much rock does it take to fill an unfillable interior of a tardis (laughs) well i'm not saying inside no i'm that's what i'm saying oh like again the tardis somehow envelops the planet and then the whole thing is you have to get out of the inside of it but it's like how much of this rock can fit in the it's bigger on the inside well it did take in an entire dalek battalion that went flying in through the front door at one point (laughs) right yeah again so many different options than just you broke it and (laughs) It got scattered, I, yeah, and yeah. Then- I guess I just—I expected more from Bidmead because of—I mean, he was the the script editor for all of uh, season eighteen. He he had you know pro- contributed a, a number of storylines that were very—you know—he he was the one who liked to have a little bit more hard science in there, um, and he sort of the, he was the go-to for that aspect to make it a little more scientifically plausible. <laughs> they used up all mm-hmm. their science for the bugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, this was the last story. He contributed to who? Hmm. All right, so uh, let's let's go around the table then. What do we think of the? Uh, what do we think of it? Rewatchable, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, because they're uh, because I like the performances, specifically Mark Strickson. I think Turlow, as much as you hate Turlow, I think Strickson did a great job in this story, especially when Turlow's like the the internal torment, uh, the the pieces of his past. Uh, resurfacing and 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 all the whatever he had gone through from his his home planet and his backstory starting to emerge. I mean, he was putting one hundred and ten percent into it, and I genuinely enjoyed that. Jenna Fielding didn't get an opportunity to really do as much. I, I got you could tell she was starting to check out. This this was one where she's kind of there. Yeah, very much um, so. Davison was was strong, but I really liked uh, a lot of our supporting characters. You know, I I, I liked Plantagenet. All right, I liked Mister Range um, and, and Norna. You know. I wish they had an opportunity to, to kind of explore this a little further, but the story was what it was. So recommendable? No, no, I wouldn't because it's it's problematic. It's got technical mm-hmm. and, and canonical issues that I would say if you were trying to give somebody a, a shortened list, this would cause more questions than answers, and I'd, I'd rather omit it. I would – I don't even know that I would rewatch it, though. I feel like – the first time through, you get the idea, and it's not something that I really need to relive or spend more time on. And mm. I I don't know with where we were and where we come out of this episode. I'll be able to tell that the next one. But I don't feel like this is a you need to see it to know what's 
tying it together or or any of that. So I like what we learned about Turlo. I think you can learn that in another episode potentially or if he how he comes out of this, how he reacts to that kind of thing. Right. And then I think you know, recommendability kind of goes along with both that as well. I I, I don't know that I would to that same point. I, I think have, that you have are, we ever had a story that we yeah. wouldn't rewatch, but we would we would recommend. recommend. I don't no, think. I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> really that yeah. matches along. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, True. So yeah, I, I I would not really put it in a lineup of anything. I don't think that you get anything out of it that is part of a. You need to watch this for this specific moment or any of that. Mm. So I I would. Mm-hmm. I think this might be the first one I would actually be like, hey, really, really not not a super fan yeah, at all. Just grab the summary online and, and, and move forward. Sure. Yeah. Or watch watch some highlights on YouTube or something. <laughs> yeah. Watch the hat stand yeah. bits. I mean, really, yeah, that is the, the best prop the, yeah. I've yeah. seen. In, in memoriam yeah. of the hat stand, this is pretty much, mm-hmm. you could just do a, a smash, super cut of all the hat stand's greatest hits through this. and really Yeah, like, I want to make my lamp in my room that's a tall lamp look like the hat stand, and that's the memory of this episode that I need. <laughs> I'd... I have to say that, like, for recommendability, I, I agree with you here for all of the same points. It's just, no, it's it's problematic. There's just nothing to be gained from it, really, for, for a new viewer. And for as far as rewatchability, again, I, I have to say no. It's, like I said earlier, it was, I, I was getting drawn out because of the bad performances in the background. So I, it, the story wasn't even compelling enough to shadow that kind of stuff. And it I feel like there were some some grains of good ideas in there. Like, like I said, I think that the, the tractators were an interesting villain. Uh, I think that the, uh, the storyline of the, you know, the, the last remnants of the human civilization on a far distant place, like trapped or whatever. Sure. That sounds like an interesting story. I don't think that they, they gave too much attention to points that shouldn't have gotten it and not nearly enough to the points that needed it. Well, it's, it's unfortunate that this story kind of falls when it does, as we're we're watching and, and seeing. Okay, this uh, you know, it's getting it's getting smaller and smaller within the TARDIS. You know, the team's getting smaller and things are getting more. They've been spending more time with one another, and that always mm. means that somebody's going to be on the out at some point uh, because they're getting a little too comfortable with one another. Tegan and Turlo haven't been fighting, and so you know something's wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just hope for a, a better story as we go to the center of the universe. Apparently. I, that's quite the cliffhanger, I must say. Yeah, uh, signature yeah. bid He always liked to make sure that you had some sort of connection to the next story. That was, yeah. that was. I like that. I like seeing a connection. I think that that pulls you through season season story arcs and things like that. But I, I, I do you need to know that when the first of the next story hits? I don't know. Do we mm. need to know where they're coming from? Sometimes they mention a last time on kind of snippet, but in this case. It's, you know, grab the console, hold on to your whatever's, we're about to go. <laughs> hold on to your yeah. butts. <laughs> I was going to say it, but then, I, okay. but then I didn't. <laughs> you did, so it's just as good. Well, we we have an air date, kind of. Whoop, whoop. Uh, we have an air month. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so we we know that the 2022 special will be airing in October. Yeah, uh, not November. Yet to get a date. Not yet. September. October. 
Right. So weeks away, we're just getting the promo, you know, the the hero shots that say October. Doesn't have a title. Doesn't show mm-hmm. up in in radio times with a title on your on your your TV scheduling planner or anything like that. In fact, I think even the the uh, the stubbed out listings on Amazon for the Blu-ray and the DVD are there, and it just says Doctor Who Centenary Special. It's just. And there are people saying, I will pay you cash money if you just call it Centenary Special. That's the (laughs) title of the damn show. Uh, But so we got to talking before we started recording. And we've got our theories that obviously with, um, I think, October 18th, 1922 was when BBC Broadcasting began. So if you consider that to be where they are recognizing their Centenary Week and Doctor Who may continue to air on Sundays, I don't think they would lead off the 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 this celebration week of of these you know these, this recognition of decades and decades and decades of broadcasting by taking a show that's been on for decades and decades and decades and doing it right on the first day i think they would hold it for the last right. day and do it what is that the 21st i think third 23rd 23rd oh, would be yeah. sunday yeah that's our that's our theory it's I, and i think that's it it's hard to say whether they would go with the 23rd or like last year when they held out for Halloween, mm. are they going to try and push it to the end of the month? It's, I mean, it could be either way. I don't know. And do we know? Unfortunately, it's, pr- do we know that it's just the one and they, they wouldn't split it into two and have it be maybe the 23rd and the 30th or something like the 16th and the 23rd? Well, it's got 90 minutes of running time. Right. And so we it could be two forty five minute parts, but clunky. It it does. Yeah. I'm just wondering since it's specifically saying we've got a full week of of celebratory specials and and or just hey we've got some specials. Mm-hmm. We think that they're going to do something that is where they kind of dive into the characters or where we've where we've been where we're going, but. Would they do that where they split it to have more, hey, pay attention to us? I'd, uh, I think with the the backlash that they've gotten over the the shortened seasons and uh, the sporadic release schedule and things like that, that doing something like that would just – would run the risk of alienating even more fans. So I think more than likely if they want to do something like that – do some reruns, rewatches of, of older yeah. things and build up to like the, Hey, at the end of the week, you're getting a new thing, but you know, like let's revisit some of these things and build that excitement. There's one more aspect of this too. So, so this centenary week is the BBC celebration and it's them mm. tooting their own horns and hoisting their own doctor who, while it historically has had great importance and significance to, to the broadcast corporation, it is not, golden child right now that it once was so i don't think that they would they would break format for what they are calling a centenary week of celebrate of broadcast celebrations to split something up and and have something hanging off the end of it and say oh except for this two-parter that shows up after our celebrations have ended if it would make more sense to me to take the thing as this 90 minute extravaganza Mm-hmm. And say an extra long special episode of this show that we've revered, or not really revered it as much in the last five years, that we've revered for 60 years. So, 
Yeah. I've, that we revered for 35 out of 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> and then we forgot about it for a little while. We tried to sell it to the neighbors. <laughs> they didn't want it. We put it out in the tag sale. Yeah. We tried to record it in America for one season. <laughs> Those were the neighbors. Yeah. Those were the neighbors. But- they, they floated it. It sank. They brought it back. It was all wet. Hopefully, we find out sooner rather than later the exact date. But given the the track record that we've gotten so far, honestly, I think it could be end of September, early October before we actually get a date. I don't know. I'm hoping that within about – as we're recording here, so within about two weeks of this recording date that we will have what will be the first of two teasers. Because Mm -hmm. within two weeks, that puts us exactly at about a month out from that – uh, my what I have is uh, you know, my pin stuck in the calendar for the October broadcast date for the 23rd. So if that's going to be the case, then you do your first little 45-second teaser then that probably doesn't have much more than what they gave us in the April teaser. Um, right. And then we'll get something else the week before that'll be a little bit longer that might just be Sasha Duan giggling and, and foaming at the mouth for 45 seconds. Which I'm here for. Last year, (laughs) two weeks prior, though, we didn't have much. And the only thing we had was a blocked off bit on the schedule because they had to release schedules two weeks in advance. So I'm not hopeful as you are. Mm. Uh, I would appreciate it. But yeah, I'm not as hopeful for that. But I did put my shiny quarter on the 30th only because I'm a creature of habit and that seems better to me. But, you know, I'm not going to fight if we get it earlier. My hopes that they were going to fill the position of brand manager, which they did, I believe, just earlier today. Uh, but that won't take – he won't actually take uh, take the helm until after all this blows through. <laughs> so <laughs> – the uh, the good news, though, is that we do actually have information about the 2023 specials. Plural. Uh, we actually – yeah. We actually know the third director for the specials. Third director for the second – of the three specials? Correct. Okay. I'm just the gonna... penultimate one. The penultimate. Which is just the in the middle when there's three. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the middle kid. Eh. Yeah, it's a so... good spot to be in, though. I mean. Yeah, exactly. So we knew of Rachel Talley. We we went absolutely berserk. Uh, we found out about Chanya Button uh, to be directing the third of the three. Um, and, and now we know uh, as a result of, once again, Somebody in the production crew updating their online CV, <laughs> and someone looks at that and says, wait a second, you listed the director for this project that we didn't know about before, and then they have I'm to- pretty sure it was Tenant's makeup artist as well, so good on ya. <laughs> yeah. Well, after, you know, you want to toot your own horn, you're like, yeah, I got to work on David Tennant's face every day for weeks. <laughs> you put it out there and you just happen to mention that, oh, okay, we've got Tom Kingsley as the director. Oh, Tom Kingsley? Oh. Oh, you mean who worked on, I think he worked on Ghosts and a couple of other great U- UK series. So, mm. yeah, okay. Okay. And then I think the uh, yep. the scene clappers are for the other two. They've been confirmed. We got some pretty good images of those as well. So that's pretty neat. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I think Rachel herself likes to decorate. The, I saw it. It's pretty amazing. Go check out the link and be <laughs> yeah. proud of her artistic skills. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it's <laughs> question is, will we know the exact broadcast dates of the 2023 specials before we know <laughs> the broadcast date of the 2022 special that's coming up in less than six weeks time? There is a chance. <laughs> Stranger <laughs> things <laughs> have happened. 
There is a non-zero probability. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Ah, well. Uh, Next time, we're going to be coming back, uh, closing in on that, uh, the the regeneration special. We're going to take a look back at what has been the, the 13th Doctor's era so far. And this is not going to be some sort of a chronological walk or a discussion of, you know, breakdown of, of the everywhere where she has traveled and the, and the things she's done. We're not I got to throw doing. all my notes out now? Yes, throw them all out. Oh. We're not doing this stuff. That's just, mm-hmm. just, ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Um, but It's not actually notes. It's just a series of gifts. It's fine. <laughs> I did um, delete. Delete. Yeah. Delete. But we, I think we're all going to be coming to the table with something we want to discuss about uh, what her era uh, has has meant, has represented, has done, ha- has accomplished, uh, or, or what kind of a legacy that it leaves for us personally. So, uh, because I think by the time we come around in our, uh, our rotation of doing our rewatches and Sarah Jane and, and the classics like this one and so forth, this may be one of the last opportunities to be able to talk about the uh, the Thirteenth Doctor's uh, legacy uh, before we see her out in glowing glory. So I'm gonna only cry a little bit for some of these things. Mm. Okay. Well, this has been episode 477 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Jay saying I'm not helping officially, and if anyone happens to ask whether I've made any material difference to this podcast, you can tell them I came and went like a summer cloud. <laughs> and this is Kira saying, I am just here for hearing Turlo complain about the insanity of crawling around underground in tunnels, because the irony was not lost on this viewer. And this is Julie saying, walk softly and carry a big ass hat stand. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. I'm Lizzie. Cheers. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR. And you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime. Otherwise, nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. See you next week.